This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So, for this month we have been talking about truth. Truth of the Word of God all month, and I have been tremendously, tremendously blessed by all of the teachings that have gone forth, by the ministering of our next-gen service on Friday. I've just been truly, truly blessed, and I thank you all for, for yielding your vessels. Again, again, you have, you have the power and the authority in your life, if you take it, to not do And to not be available when God is giving you an assignment, when God is providing the grace, you have the choice to make. So I thank each and every one of you for yielding your vessels to the Lord. John chapter 1. This morning we're going to be talking about the truth about grace. And this has been on my heart for years, actually, for years um, but today we're going to be able to, and I, I'm by no stretch of the imagination am I going to, <laughs> cannot exhaust. For me, I, I don't see us, me, exhausting this topic. Uh, but we're going to, to do our best to just kind of lay something that we can, we can just work with. Amen. Something that we can work, work with. And hopefully it will, um, hopefully it will encourage you. It will prompt you to even go out and, and take this initially and and ask God to just open up this subject to you even more and to give you a greater understanding but in John chapter 1 this will be our our foundational text this morning and we're going to go actually we're going to go through a few scriptures so uh, just get ready and bear with me and we're going to get through this this morning so John chapter 1 starting at verse 14 The scripture reads, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me and was of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to lift up verses 16 and 17. And of his fullness, of his full, his is talking about Christ, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So I want to just start off by saying that I truly believe in you, and I, I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, that I truly believe that the overall, uh, I believe that overall in the body of Christ, that we don't fully, there's not a full, like a full definition, that we cannot, like, like put a full definition on grace. But, but most importantly, my definition is one thing, but most importantly, more importantly than just a definition, I think there is a lack of understanding 
of what grace is, the purpose of grace. And therefore, there is a lack of experience with grace and the realization of grace and the power of grace in and through the lives of the believers because there is not a full understanding of what it is. I don't even know that we could, in this life, I don't even know that we could even fully, just fully comprehend God's grace. It is truly, truly amazing, His grace. And, and, and it covers, what I like about it is, you know, God is, he, God, he, He's not like, like man. You know, like, we take one thing and then it's just, it's just for that. Right? We take one thing and then we have something else. We take another thing and it's just for that. But I have found, I have found that in God's Word, you can take one thing, one thing, and just exasperate it. I mean, it just goes over. And He will show you how, how it's used in this area. He will show you how it's used. He does not leave any stone unturned. And the things that He sets in place and the things that He sets in motion, they cover a multitude, even far beyond what we could ever ask or whatever we could ever think about that subject. And this. It's extremely true about God's grace. God's grace, it works in different areas. There's a purpose. It it has a purpose. It has several purposes. And the power of God's grace, the power of his grace is just unsearchable. It is unsearchable. And and like I said, I don't think we will ever in this life, I don't think we will ever, I don't think until we stand before God himself, until we stand before Jesus himself, I think that's the only time that we're just going to be able to fully understand and comprehend his grace. Having a misunderstanding of grace is just as bad as not having it or knowing it at all. Having a misunderstanding of grace is just as bad as not having it or not knowing about it at all. Why? Because then you are not receiving and you're not operating in its total efficacy. You, 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 you can't. You're not operating in the, the total efficacy of it if you have a misunderstanding of what grace is. Let alone if you just don't know about it, period. And that's for the sinner who have not accepted Christ. But you as a believer, you have accepted Christ. And for you to misunderstand what grace is, that is just as bad. Because you are not able to take full advantage of what God, full advantage of what you understand. Full advantage of what you understand. You won't be able to take full advantage of what you understand if you have a misunderstanding. So many believers, they live defeated lives and they live shabby lives because they do not understand the fullness of grace and grace for grace. Remember that scripture says, it says God gives us grace for grace. Then there are things being taught. So that's, that's one, that's one game. That's one aspect. But then there are, there are things that are being taught about grace that simply aren't true. So it's one thing to have a misunderstanding or not have not a full understanding about grace. But then there's, uh, on the other hand, then we have teachings, things that are being taught about grace that just are not true. They're not true. There are teachings being taught by false teachers regarding grace that are circulating and have been circulating for years. Teachings that gives people a false hope. 
They give them, it gives them a false sense of security. And it gives them a false hope. And for, to, to, those, to those who hear and embrace it, and for those who try to apply it to their lives, who try to conform their lives around those teachings. And that's no good. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these because it's nonsense and it's lies. And my objective is in this teaching on grace is that we know the truth. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on the lies. We want to know the truth. And we want to be fortified in that truth. But just in case you've heard of some of these, I'm just going to mention just a couple. And actually, because this is really all that I know because I... You know, like I said, if it's nonsense, I, I try to tune it out. So just a, a couple of things. One is the concept of hypergrace. The concept of hypergrace. Hypergrace is the concept that those who have confessed Christ as Savior, that they are eternally forgiven. They've accepted Christ, and the concept is, is that they are eternally forgiven, even without confessing and repenting from their sins. I accepted Christ once. That's okay. So all I'm eternally forgiven. Everything that I've done, everything that I will do will be forgiven. Regardless if I confess those to Christ, if I repent or not. That's what hypergrace is. So they're confusing. They're, they, they, the scripture right here. Grace God gives grace for grace. That's one of the scriptures that they use. He gives grace for grace. When it says that, that, that grace was super abound, and we're going to get to one of those scriptures where it says that, that grace super abounds, that's where they get that from, which is totally not what God is saying. Totally not what God is saying. And then we have uh, the notion that certain people are already preordained. They're already preordained by God to be saved, and others are not. So it, that, that thought, that notion is no matter what you do, it does not matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. Because everyone who will be saved, God has already preordained that. And they got that from the scripture in Ephesians where it talks about us being predestined. But again... That has nothing to do with and nothing to do with what they are saying. That is a misinterpretation of the scripture, a misinterpretation of the scripture. Then we have those Christians who are either attending church or not, who have once accepted Christ, who again once have have been baptized. You know, their mama they grew up going to church and and they believe that. Because they confessed Christ once, because they were raised going to church and they know of God and they know of Christ and they even may call on him when they need him or they may even pray every now and then. They believe that no matter what they do, as long as they are doing those things, have done those things, that they will be going to heaven, that that is eternal, that that has been enough, that that is enough for them to have eternal life. And so they live their lives any kind of way, any kind of way. But they stand on the fact, they, they, they stand on the fact that if I have accepted Christ at least once, 
if I accept it, if I've been baptized, if I was raised going to church, if I know Christ, and I even call on him every now and then, that that's enough to secure me for eternal life with Christ. False teachings, misrepresentation, misrepresentation of Scripture, and personal interpretation of Scripture, they lead to a misrepresentation of God. It leads to a misrepresentation of God, misrepresentation of his will, misrepresentation of what he will and will not accept in the body of Christ. And so we have to be careful that we guard our hearts, that we guard our ears. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Because in the body of Christ, God is only accepting what he expects. That's all. And what he expects is in the word of God. What he expects is already written in the word of God. False teachings, they dumb down, for the lack of a better term, they dumb down grace. False teachings do. That hyper grace, it it dumbs it down. Because grace does much, much more than just helps to secure you when you when you uh, accept this salvation. Because we know that, that we are saved by grace, through faith. But grace is more than just that. And people hinge on the fact, that, that, that scripture, they hinge on that scripture. But grace is so much more, so much more than that. And we're going to see that, we're going to see that today. So... False teachings, they dumb down grace and it makes light, it makes light and it makes it of no effect, the grace of God. That, is our, that we are ordained to walk in that grace and that grace through us, the, we're supposed to walk in it, the grace in us and through us from the very beginning of our salvation when we accepted Christ. But it goes with us. And we can rely, it's that same grace that goes with us that we can rely on to work in us and to work through us all of our days. Every day that we live and breathe on this earth, God has grace for us for different purposes. For different purposes. And we're going to go through that today. So let's, let's let the scripture tell us wherefore before we get into what grace is. And the truth about grace. Let's, let's let the scripture tell us where these false teachings lead. And then we will fortify and encourage our minds and our souls and allow the spirit within us to bear witness to the truth about grace. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start with this. And just because I told you, I kind of promised that I was <clears throat> going to, um, I touched on this when I was teaching on Wednesdays. Uh, for the Sermon on the Mount, but uh, this, these verses I wanted to come back and just kind of revisit a little bit. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 21, in the scripture, the truth reads, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. This is the truth. Of the word of God. Not everyone that saith. And remember that this is Jesus talking. This is the truth. The scripture tells us that grace and what? Truth came by Jesus Christ and came by the word of God. So 
Verse 21 again. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, what? Doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And verse 23 says what? And then will I profess. Again, this is Jesus talking. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We say we're going to let the scripture teach us today, right? So, so false teaching. This is what happens. This is what happens when we embrace false teaching. This is what happens when those who teach those false things. This is what happens. Second John. Second John chapter 1. Second John chapter 1. I'm not making this up. That's why it's good to be in a teaching ministry, just like we said. Because we're going to take you to scriptures. And if we, if we cannot back it up with scriptures, then you don't have to accept it. But John, 2 John chapter 2. Oh, I'm sorry. 2 John chapter 1. There's no chapter 2. 2 John chapter 1. And let's read verses 8 and 9. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the son again i'm not making it up he said look to yourselves that we lose not those things you have to keep those things that you have been taught the things of the doctrine the things the 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 the, the apostles doctrine the things that christ Remember whatever Christ says, we need to keep that. Look to the look to yourselves that we lose not those things that which which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You don't have God if you do not abide. Whosoever transgresseth sinneth, continues to sin, lives in a lifestyle of sin, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. That's the scripture. Turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And when we get through with these last couple of scriptures, then we're just going to run. But again, we're going to let the word speak. Second Peter chapter 3. Oh, what did I say? Oh, let's go to James. Let's go to James five first. I'm sorry. Let's go to James five first, and then we'll go to Second Peter. So James chapter five, and let's look at verse nineteen. Start reading at nineteen, and the truth reads, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, you had the truth, but you err from the truth. You walk away from the truth. You slip away from the truth. Brethren, if any of you 
do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the heir of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. And see, this is interesting because in verse 19, it calls them brethren. It says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, you had the truth. You were even labeled brethren among us, among the believers, among the body of Christ. And then you err from the truth. And then in verse 20 it says, he that converted the sinner. That's interesting. You were called a brethren. And then in verse 20, you err from the truth. And I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about, the, stay, ask God. See, you Another thing about the Holy Ghost that lives, the grace of God that lives on the inside of us. You, he can bear, you bear witness. That spirit bears, bears witness, right? And so I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a, 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 you know, something that you mistakenly do. I'm not talking about something that you slip up and do. I'm not talking about that. When you're sincere and your push is, your push is, your drive is to stick to truth. Your drive is that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. And this, and this is not, this is not even necessarily talking about the, the little, the sins that we don't sin little, no, there's no such thing as little sin. This is not even talking about the sins we do. It says that you err from the truth. <laughs> you err from the truth. That means you have turned away. That means you have allowed a lie to take place of the truth. So at that point, you have erred. You have allowed a lie to take place of the truth. You have erred from the truth. And so now he's saying, now, you are no longer a brethren because you're, you're, you're away from truth. You've gone, you have gone back to the, to the center line because you've erred from the truth. This is real. This is real. It's real. And it's in the scripture, right here written for us. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter three, let's look at verse fifteen. Three and fifteen. And the scripture reads The truth reads. Uh, you know what, I can't start there. Let's start at verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Verse 315. Oh, let's keep reading. And also in all the epistles, speaking in them of the things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. 
Yea, therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever Amen. So he's saying, take account. There's going to have to be some long suffering. We're going to have to suffer through some things. But understand that it is, it says, take an account that the, the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. That is salvation. Then it tells us that we need to be aware. Keep hold of those things. Keep hold of those things that we have learned. We have to keep hold of those things that we have learned of Christ. In verse 16 it says, also in the epistles, God, he wrote, Peter wrote, uh, Paul wrote, all of these letters that we have. He says, speaking of them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So they take these things, misunderstand, they take things. And so we, we cannot allow, we cannot allow those things. Again, that is why it's so important that we stick to the doctrine. That's why it's so important that we yield to what's here. That we keep our eyes focused on what's here. Not the misrepresentation, not the misinterpretation of people, but we have the spirit, the unctioning on the inside of us. The unctioning on the inside of us. And then that's why it's also important that we are are tied to a ministry that teaches truth. That's why it's so important. That's why we're always harping on that. We're always saying that you, you have to stay rooted and you have to stay grounded. This last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to skip around just a little bit here. 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's start with verse 4. For if God spared not, listen to this. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot. No, let's go to let's go to verse we did six. Let's go to verse nine. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despised government presumptuous are they self-willed they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities verse 13 and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count as they that count it pleasure to 
riot in that day. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and that, the, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart. They have exercised with covetous practices cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Go to verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from. The last verse. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Again, we wanted the word, we wanted the scriptures. This, and again, I didn't, didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I just wanted to show you in the scriptures the truth, the truth about, the truth about what it is to err. When we err from the truth, that's the truth about grace, that's the truth about salvation. That's the truth about what, whatever the truth is, whatever is written in this scripture, written in this, in this Bible. Whatever the words of God, whatever those things are, when we turn away, when we, when we misrepresent those things, when we have a misunderstanding even of those things, and we live our lives and we conform our lives to those, when it's a lie, when things have become a lie, when the truth has become a lie, and we take it, and we conform our lives to it, these are the ways, this is the end. The scriptures that we read, this is the end, the end result of that. And so we're trying to keep ourselves. We're trying to keep ourselves. And we want you, we want you to be fortified in what you believe. We want you to be fortified in that truth. The objectives of this teaching. What is grace? What is grace? The second objective. What is the purpose and power of grace? So we only have two. We've got two objectives. We want to understand what is grace. And we also want to know what is the purpose and the power of grace. So let's, 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 let's talk about what grace is not first. What grace is not. Grace is not a security blanket. It's not a security blanket. For those who are at one time, at one point, profess Christ as their Savior. We've mentioned that before. That grace is not a security blanket. Grace is not an excuse to continue in sin. Grace is not an excuse to continue in sin. In sin, grace is not a means to make it to heaven, although you spent your years on earth in sin. Grace is not a means 
to make it to heaven. Although you spent all of your years on earth in sin. So then grace is not a get out of jail free card. It's not a get out of jail free card. A card that will keep you out of hell. That's not what grace is. Grace is not a right of entitlement that will ensure your eternal life. It's not, grace is not a right of entitlement that will secure you, that will ensure, ensure that you have eternal life. So what is grace? So we had been working with right our, our quick our quick and our summarized working definition of grace has been that it is God's power, God's power to do in and through the believer what he or she, what they cannot do for themselves. That's been our, our short, that's a short definition in summary of what grace is. That it's God's power, God's power to do in and through the believer what he or she cannot do for themselves. Now, that's a strong definition. It's a strong definition if you would really think about it. And we're going to give you some substance today. So if you've heard that and that's all you've heard, then we're going to give you some substance today behind that, something to help fortify you in that definition. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. So, A, what is grace? It's a gift. Grace is a gift. You cannot earn it. You can't buy it. It is a gift. Something, just think about a natural gift. It's just something that someone gives to you because they favor you. They give it to you because they like you. They give it to you because they love you. It's a gift. They want to give you something to bring to bring you pleasure. They want to give you something to bring you pleasure. Hold on to that. It is a gift. It is a benefit. It's a benefit. It's a gift and a benefit. Like the, the scripture the scripture says that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. But it also says that I will not forget the benefits. Grace is a benefit given by God. It stresses the character. Grace, listen, grace stresses the character of the benefit. The benefit is grace. It stresses the benefit, the character of the benefit, as the effect of the gracious disposition of the benefactor. The benefactor is the one who gives it. So, grace stresses the character of the benefit of grace. And listen, I understand. Look, I hear, I hear you. I hear you, English majors. You cannot define a word with a word with the same word. I hear you. But see, that's why, that's why you cannot bring your natural education and your natural understanding to spiritual truths. Because that's what God, and the scripture says that God gives grace for grace. So that already tells us that he's going to be defining grace 
by grace. Oh, hold on to that because we're going to get into that a little bit more. So, so it is the gift. It is the benefit given by God. It stresses the character of the benefit as the effect of the gracious disposition of the benefactor. God is the benefactor and you are the beneficiary. You are the receiver. He's the giver. You are the receiver. B. Grace, I said it's the disposition of the giver. It's the endowment. That's the disposition of the giver. The endowment. It's his goodwill. It is God's goodwill. It's his loving kindness. It's his favor. And he is all of those things. He is our goodwill. He is loving kindness. Grace. Of the merciful kindness by which God, the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence, God exerts his holy influence upon the souls of people, turns them to Christ, keeps them, strengthens them, increases them. In saving faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christ-like virtues. Don't worry, I'm going to go through that again because I want you to get it. Again, this is all in summary, so keep in mind that little summarized definition that we always use. Just a quick and low down uh, 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 definition, but again, we're giving some we're giving some substance to these things now. And these three definitions, as we go through the purpose and the power of grace, you're going to see how those connect back to this definition. I purpose I purpose to do that so that we can be sure that we understand. I want you to have a good understanding about what grace is and how to recognize it, how to know what that grace is and and what it does and that power that 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 it has. So it is the disposition of the giver. Grace is. It's the endowment. God endows us with grace. It's an endowment. An endowment. Extra, if you will. It's a, it's a, so you have an account. Most people will. I'll put it this way. I know for colleges, universities, they have an endowment fund. Right, so they have their bank account. They have their, you know, their checking account, their whatever accounts that they they use. But then they have what they call an endowment. That's extra. You know, you need some extra things, some extra funds to be able to support the university. So God gives us an endowment. <laughs> grace for grace, He He gives us grace and salvation, but then we have some endowment. Oh, don't miss that. He gives us an endowment. That's his goodwill. Grace is his goodwill towards us. Grace is his loving kindness towards us. I said we didn't deserve it. As a matter of fact, they said grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. Mercy doesn't give us what we do deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy doesn't give us what we do deserve. Grace. 
good, God's goodwill towards us, his loving kindness towards us. Favor. Favor. And I know people like to, you know, there used to be a thing, I don't know if they, they say it anymore, but they, a, a while ago, that used to be the thing. You ask somebody how they're doing, oh, I am highly favored. That was their thing. I'm highly favored. Well, we're going to see a little bit about what that favored means. They, they all, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that favor means. So it is the merciful kindness by which God, the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon the souls, that's salvation, turns them to Christ. At the time of salvation, he is exerting his holy influence upon their souls as they hear the word of God. He is exerting his holy influence upon their souls as they hear so that they may turn to Christ. So he turns them to Christ. And then after that salvation experience, he keeps us. He strengthens us. He increases us in saving faith. And in knowledge, that's the working of the Holy Ghost, increases us in saving faith, in knowledge, and, in fe- and, and affection. And it kindles, kindles in us to exercise of Christ-like virtues. Last definition. It is the spiritual condition of one governed By the power of divine grace. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. The Greek word dunamis. And we have had that taught to us. The Greek word dunamis, that power. Dunamis power. It is the power that resides in the thing by virtue, by the strength of its nature or its origin. Dunamis power. We get our word. We get our, our, our word dynamic from it. Dynamite. Dynamite. Explosive. This is powerful. A powerful, powerful strength, virtue that we get from the origin. Our origin being God. So it's the power that resides in us to strengthen us by that nature. The dunamis power resides in us and works through us by the working and the aid and the empowerment. We said the endowment. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then you become, I love this part. I love this. Then you become the evidence of grace. Oh, that's good. We become the evidence of grace. The proof of grace. And therefore you are a benefit to others. It's a spiritual condition. Of one that is governed by the power of the divine grace. And that empowerment, that dunamis power that resides in us and works through us. By the working and the aid and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then it becomes, it causes us to become. We then become, with that working power in and through us, we then become the evidence of grace, the proof of grace. And therefore, we are a benefit and can be a benefit to others. So that's what grace is in a nutshell. Okay, so now we're going to take those definitions.
and then we're gonna we're gonna in the the the, uh, the last time I mean the, the the last section here that we have, we're gonna talk about what is the purpose and power of grace. What is the purpose and the power of grace? Turn to Ephesians chapter two, and we're gonna run through a, free, a few scriptures here. Ephesians chapter two. And let's look at verse 5. And the truth reads, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Mm, verse 4. But God, so we know who we're talking about, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. That's that loving kindness right there. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. So God, who is rich in mercy and his great loving kindness, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, when we were not so loved, when we were in sin, when we were living in sin, he had quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Look at verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Salvation. Here is talking about salvation. It is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So here we see grace working in and through us as grace we are saved by grace through faith. And hold on to that faith. Remember I said that grace is available. It's available to all of us. But we have to have faith to receive it. You have to receive grace. It's available. So then that knocks out all that stuff about hyper grace. Because if you don't receive grace. So you may have received it as salvation, but we're going to see in a minute that if you don't continue in that grace, hold on to it. That's A, salvation. As a matter of fact, I'm going to list these and then we're just going to, then we're going to chase them. So what is the purpose and the power of grace? Salvation, purpose and power. Sanctification, grace, purpose and power. Holiness. Grace has something to do with holiness, purpose, and power. Righteousness. Grace has something to do with that in purpose and in power. Keeping us. And lastly, equipping for ministry. Equipping for ministry. A, salvation, B, sanctification, C, holiness, D, righteousness, E, keeping us, and F, equipping for ministry. So now we're just going to chase these down. So we just saw Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8, talking about grace by which we are saved, salvation. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. 
What an amazing grace. So now we're going to see, and I want you to think about those definitions that we just gave, and we're going we're gonna to plug, and we're going to see how that works in all of these things, and all of these things that God expects from us. So, so and again, while you're turning that, let me, you know what, I can't talk in. Let me, let me get to this scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. So keep in mind, and we already just, we, we already talked about, we've already gone through, we've already stated the things that the scripture, the things that grace and what the purpose of it and the power of it is. So we cannot, and again, this is the truth of the word of God. So before I talked about, I was teaching in Matthew, I was talking about how we, because we either don't, don't know what to say or we, you know, whatever, when, when people... The scripture tells us that a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. All of these scriptures are bearing it out on what grace, the purpose, and the power of grace can do in our lives so that we do not have to, so that we will not, to try to ensure. But again, just like I said, that grace, you have to accept it. You have to continue to walk in grace. Grace is available, but you, you will not realize it in your life Unless you walk in it. When you obey, grace is available. When you obey, grace is available. But until you start walking, you won't, it won't be available to you. It's there. Lying dormant. It's there. But until you start walking, it will not be available. It will not be useful you will not realize the grace that is made available. B, so Ecclesiastes chapter 10, talking about sanctification. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 12. The scripture reads, The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. So grace works we talk about sanctification. Grace works in us and through us joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, and grace of speech. And this is what this is talking about, grace of speech. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. So grace in us and through us twofold. Grace brings us joy. But then grace then produces in us joy so and, and others are able to eat from that. Then grace produces in us pleasure. It's good, God's, it is God's good pleasure. It's his good will that we have pleasure. He's given us grace to help us. We find pleasure. I don't know about you, but I find pleasure when the grace of God, when I can see and experience and see that work of grace in my life, that produces pleasure in, in me. So, but not only, not only does God wants, uh, want us to experience that pleasure, but through us, he wants others to experience that pleasure. That same grace, grace for grace. God gives you grace. And he works that grace in you, and then he works that grace through you, so that it can benefit 
others. And that's the way it works. Grace for grace. That's superabounding grace. That's what we're talking about. Superabounding grace. It works in us delight. It works in us sweetness. It works in us charm and loveliness. Oh, think about it. Think about it. Look, some of you can can attest. Some of you can attest. I can attest that there were days before Christ when I was not so loving. Like people might say she's not so lovely right now. But there were days when I was not so lovely. There were days when I was not so delightful. Days when I was not so sweet. But the grace of God, allowing the grace of God to work in me, that's sanctification. That's the process of being sanctified. And then others can experience that loveliness through you, that delight through you. They can experience it, that sweetness. They can experience it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. just the truth. That's all we're doing. It's just, it's just the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace under, I mean, unto the hearers. So here we go again. And grieve not, look, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He said the Holy Spirit, because the, the Spirit is the one working the grace in and through us. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's there. Allow it to do what it's supposed to do. And look, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. See, it's the Spirit of God trying to work grace in us. And then he tells us, he prompts us, he warns us, and then we ignore that. We grieve the Holy Spirit by ignoring it, and then we allow corrupt communication to proceed out of our mouth. And then in turn, so not only did we not, only did we not allow the grace to work in us, but now we've said something, or we've done something that's going to affect someone else. That's not going to minister grace. Unto their hearing. This is what grace does. See, we want to hold on to, you know, grace, I'm going to, grace to get me to eternity. Okay, yeah, grace to get you to eternity if you hold on to it. But while you're holding on to it, this is what holding on to it looks like. This is what holding on to grace looks like. There's something that you have to do. You have to accept it. You accept it, but you have to keep it. You accept it as salvation, and then you keep it through your sanctification. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The truth about grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you... 
to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. There was grace bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For, they, for to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And I want you to know, and here we know, this is talking about a financial gift, but we want to see that the, it's the grace of God, the grace of God that was working in them. The grace was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, and they gave themselves first to the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So the grace of God, the grace of God, it causes and it works in us the ability and the power to do beyond and to go beyond and to want to. To want to do. Not considering ourselves, not considering our own circumstances, but we see that it's the grace here. And, and listen, it, it is the grace. It said that it is the grace of God, the grace that they entreated them. They said, look, take this. No, take this. We, know, we understand that we have lack. That's not even our concern. We want you to take this. They gave of themselves, they gave of themselves to the Lord first, and then they gave of themselves to others. That's what grace does in us. It works out that, uh, that selfishness. It works it out. See, we don't want to use grace for selfishness. But grace works it out, that selfishness. Remember, because at the, bottom, the bottom line is we, we've said that all of these gifts, the gifts of God, they're not just for you. They are for someone else. It is God wanting to work these gifts in you for the benefit of others. Grace. These are the things that grace, the power, the, the purpose of it and the power behind it. The purpose of it and the power behind it. That's holiness. So this scripture, this is talking about holiness. That grace works in us holiness. They were giving of themselves no matter what was going on. They gave of themselves. That's called being holy. I mean, I'm holy unto the Lord. All, all I want is that my life. Be separated and holy unto the Lord. Whatever he wills, that's what I want to do. Holiness. If they need something, this church, they need something, despite of, of my lack, despite of it, and you need to go to minister to these people, here, that's holiness. We're sanctifying ourselves. We are, we are setting ourselves apart to do the work and the will of the Lord. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Let's look at verse 20, starting at 20. Romans 5 and 20. And the truth reads, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Okay? So, here we go. In other words, just as there, is, uh, there was an increasing knowledge, an increasing knowledge and a magnification of sin, it was being magnified through the law, by looking at the law, then sin ruled. Sin ruled. It governed. It led in death. It ruled, it reigned, it governed, sinned it uh, in death. But grace, grace might, <laughs> here we go, listen to those words. Grace might rule, govern, lead, and sway out of and all through being in right standing with God, being justified by God, receiving salvation righteousness being found in Christ Jesus. But note what I said. I said that it might. Let's look at verse 20 again. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Verse 21. That as sin hath reigned, sin hath reigned unto death. Even so, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The sin reigning unto death, that was sure. Surely. It was sure. Might. It means that there's a variable attached. Might means that there's a variable attached. We saw that sin did reign unto death. That was sure. There was no might right there. Sin, death, no might. But grace ruling and reigning, it's a variable attached to it. It means it's not automatic. It's not automatic. There must be an action on the part of the beneficiary, the recipient. There has to be an action on, your, on, on the part of the beneficiary. It first must be received and allowed to work. Verse 17. Go to verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. It has to be received. It's not automatic. Unlike that sin unto death, that was sure. But you have to receive the grace of God. They which receive abundance of grace shall reign in life. So now we're talking about righteousness. Grace, grace for the purpose, grace provides power to live unto righteousness, but it has to be received. First Peter chapter 8. First Peter chapter 8. I'm sorry, I said 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, and let's look at verse 8. And the scripture reads, Be sober, be, 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 be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
whom, whom seeking he I'm sorry, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we can be sober. We can be vigilant. We can resist the adversary when we allow the working of the Holy Spirit, the grace. The Holy Spirit works grace. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and we not drown him out, with our noisy heads, when we uh, don't ignore him, when we uh, are not prideful, when we don't allow the cares of this world to drown out the voice of God and the voice of the Spirit, when we're not busy bodies and we're not busy just doing things, when we're not doing those things, when we can be sober and vigilant, we can resist the devil, but it is all through the Spirit of the living God and allowing the Spirit of the living God to work in and through us. By His grace, His power, and His strength, God is able to what? Perfect us, is what it says. Perfect us. That means He is able to mend our broken lives. That's what grace does. God's power. Think about you know, the most devastating things and the, just the things that we, that we go through in life, losing a, a loved one or, or, what, or, or going through uh, physical ailments, going through uh, uh, terminal illnesses and being faced with all of those things. God will mend broken lives. He will make us whole through the hearing and the understanding of his word. But the understanding of his word comes by the spirit of God. So it's the word. God says he sent his word and he healed us. But it's the working of the spirit of the living God in sync with that, in conjunction with that. Because it's the spirit of the living God that works in us, that understanding of the truth. It helps bring about that word. It brings up that word. It helps remind us of that word. Remember, we said that this is the power of God to help do in the believer what they cannot do for themselves. You cannot pull yourself up out of misery. You cannot pull yourself out, out of, 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 of uh, uh, depression. You cannot pull yourself out of suicidal thought. You cannot do that. You got there for a reason. You can't do it on your own. But it's the power, allowing the power of the living God. You know, some people, and I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, because we all go through, we go through things and, and we, we, we grieve differently, yes. But then some people, they just like to, they just want to just sit there. They just want to, they just want to, they just want to sit there. They want to stay there. I said you have to receive it. Grace is available. It's available. But you have to want to get up. You got to want to get up. You gotta wanna turn it around. And God will do just that. Establish. He will make our way stable despite the instability that is around us and the suffering that we must bear. Grace will do. It will help establish us. Again, through the Word, through the, it's through the Word, but it's also through the Holy Spirit giving us understanding of that Word and help to bring that Word up when we need it the most. It strengthens us. It gives us the abilities to succeed in all that we do for him. 
God's grace is a strengthener to help us accomplish his will. Grace is a strengthener. It gives us the ability to succeed in all that we do for him. It settles us. God will build in us a firm foundation that will make us steadfast and immovable as we face attacks of the enemy. That's God's grace. If we allow it to, be ye steadfast and unmovable, (coughs) always abounding in the work of the Lord. But we can only do that when we are allowing the grace of God to help us, to aid us. Within ourselves, you know, things come up all the time. And if you don't allow the grace of God, allow the word of God and the grace of God to work in your life, you, that's, why, that's why a lot of people cannot get up. That's why a lot of people are living, like I said, they're living shabby lives and they can't go on and they, they want to do, they say that they want to do for God, but they can't, they can't get it going good they, because they're not allowing the grace of God to do what he does. And in the last minute, equipping for the ministry. So he equips us for the ministry, for the function, for the protection, and for the perfecting of the body of Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go to one, but I want you to write these down. So we have Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. Those are the functional gifts in the body. So we know that grace, so grace is the charts. It's grace is the empowerment. So God gives his children, God gives us all as we are saved. Remember I talked about grace working in our lives from salvation, and we've seen it all here. Grace working in our lives from salvation to sanctification to holiness to keeping us. And now we see that it's grace that works in and through us for the benefit. Well, all of it we saw was for the benefit of others. But here we see that it's for the benefit of others in the body of Christ. So Romans chapter 12. The functional gifts in the body. Write down Romans, First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll see the protectional gifts in the body, and then write down Ephesians chapter four, and we'll see the perfecting. You know what? Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. I said Romans. I think I did. That's Ephesians chapter four because this is going to round out my. This is going to round out my message. So let's do Ephesians chapter four. And the scripture reads, Ephesians 4, um, yes, verse 6. One God, there is one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Jump down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here we see that it is grace. God gives us all grace according to the measure of of whatever he's going to give us. He gives us grace according to whatever gift, the endowment that he's given to us. But we see here specifically that he's given some to be pastors and teachers. And so what I wanted us to get, that's why I said going to round my, my message out uh, nicely here, is that we have been given a pastor. We've been given a pastor after God's own heart. We've been given a pastor, and she has been graced. It says that God has given us graces. He's graced us in certain areas. And so he has graced her. 
And I truly believe that she has been graced to be our pastor at this time. That God has graced her to be our pastor at this time. And I want to encourage you, not just this month, but all year through. Every year, all year through. Every year, all year through to appreciate your pastor, to encourage your pastor. And I'm, and I'm certain, you know, there are other times throughout the year that she's encouraged, but to hear that she has been tremendously encouraged at this time. You know, people don't realize, and they don't, they don't think, they don't think, and I, and I, and I used to be that same way uh, before I came here uh, and learned better. But people think that pastors are just, you know, ministers, that they're just, you know, like they're super people, like superheroes or something like that, and that they're never supposed to go through anything, that they never have challenges, that they. Ne- but that's because we put on the cape and we do all of those things. We, you know, because we we have because it's the grace of God, the great. It's allowing the grace of God to work through. That's that's that <laughs> that's really the only difference. That's really the only difference, is allowing the grace of God to work through us. And you have, and we see now, grace is available to everyone. It's not just available to the pastor. Not just available to the minister. It's available for us all. It's avail- available for us all. And we're supposed to take that grace and allow that grace to work in us so that it can work through us. So that others can receive the benefit. Just like we receive the benefit of our pastor being filled with grace, full of grace, being endowed with grace, her allowing grace. Just as we expect that from her, then we should expect that of ourselves. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.